if you'll grab your Bibles. We're going to be in the book of John as we continue our series. Waiting for the little ones to get on out. They were in rare form today, weren't they? I mean, bless Miss Beverly. We miss Miss Beverly. She would take the kids when they got too rowdy during the service. But uh, so if somebody wants to step up and uh, take that role, we would be grateful for that. Um, even mine was sitting over on the back row over here on this side going, just, and you're just like, come on, you're six and a half, you're almost seven, pay attention, you know. And he's the musical one of the family. I'm like, can't you sing? Come on. So uh, that's the problem with being a pastor and a pastor's kid, right? So, so those that have been around the church understand that. Well, anyway, we're going to be in John 6, uh, 25 today. And, and as we've been going through our, our series on the book of John and just learning who Jesus is and, and coming to find out that Jesus is not the same way to everyone. He just doesn't come into a situation and act the same way. He goes to different people at different times and he does different miracles as he builds relationships with people. And last week, he was uh, on one side of the lake, and the, and the fascinating thing about that study was about faith. It's one thing that you, you know, believe that you can walk on water, and it's another completely different thing to actually get out and try it, right? Yeah, it really is. They're two different things. One's an intellectual belief, and the second is you put, it in, you know, you put steps into it. You step out of the boat, and, and the Lord really shows us the level of our faith, usually in the middle of a storm. For some reason, our, our faith isn't really tested that much on a nice, beautiful, sunny, uh, cool day, right? It's usually on those stressful, storm type of days in our life that we are challenged. Faith is always tested when we're in the middle of it. And we pray, Lord, this could not be your will. And sometimes come to find out it is. He's testing us. And one reason we go through stuff is that the Lord can show us how we have really grown over time and we start to handle. He gives us small problems to handle. And then over time, those problems get bigger and bigger as our faith expands and we're able to handle bigger issues that come along in our life. So remember what happened. Jesus, you know, had fed this huge crowd of people, around 5,000 uh, men, it said, so about 20,000 people total, and, and they loved it so much, they wanted to make him king right then and there. So he kind of gets out of there quickly, and he shoves the guys in the boat, and, and, and he pushes them off, and he says, I'm going to pray, and he goes and seeks the Father. And he looks out into the water, and there's a storm going, and these guys have been rowing across the lake for nine hours, so Jesus thinks, well, I'm going to either, I'm going to either going to join them or I'm going to beat them across. And he starts walking across the water. Now, since they, you know, they haven't quite figured out he is the creator, they think it's a ghost and, and they're, they're kind of freaking out. And then, and then Peter calls out, Lord, is it you? Call me out into the water if it's you. And Jesus said, sure, this will be fun. This will be interesting. Go ahead and come on out. And, and you know, uh, Peter just, this is not even logical. I mean, this is really a dumb thing to say, right? Okay, is it just me? Okay. And Peter's step of faith isn't logical, and neither is our step of faith half the time. People will hear you cry out to the Lord, and they'll just think, man, you're just nuts, but people would rather, I mean, Peter would rather be in the water with Jesus than in the boat. And remember, the future of the church, all the disciples, they're sitting in the boat. 
And they're just a bunch of scared guys in the middle of this storm. And Peter thinks, I'm going to take this to the next level. And he's kind of the, the follower of Jesus that, that, that Jesus has been looking for. And he's looking for those that want to get out of the boat first and, and want to walk towards him. Now, he uses all sorts of personalities. Don't get me wrong. But T Peter, he walks toward him, but then, then freaks out like we normally would. You know, like, well, how am I? What, 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 you know, and then what does he do? Sinks. You know, and the Lord has to save him. And Jesus is right there to pick him up. And everyone in the boat starts to worship Jesus. So we pick up today with Jesus on the, the other side, uh, on the land with the guys, and, and, and all of a sudden there's, there's more people waiting on him. They keep figuring out where he's going, and they run around the lake. And I've driven around that lake, and it's a pretty far run, okay? So these guys have been going over there, and, and he begins to teach. These, the, this group of people just follow him everywhere. In fact, he, he's over in Capernaum, and this is a 4th century church built, built upon the 1st century foundation, uh, which is really cool. So uh, here's a, if it switches, I don't know, it got off. It won't switch. There we go. Um, so uh, these are the, they would sit around the side of the synagogue and stuff on these stone benches that were built and stuff. So, so this is actually built about uh, 300 years after Christ uh, was around uh, and before he ascended up to the Father in heaven. But uh, they built it on the original foundation. It's really cool. And he begins to teach these people. And, uh, and you know, and, and these guys... Uh, they saw Jesus not get in the boat earlier, and yet they see him over here on the side. And they're kind of like going, wow, this is really crazy. So we'll let's pick it up in verse 25. It says, when Jesus, or when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for the food that spoils but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Jesus knows in their hearts, what are they looking for? A free meal. Free food. I mean, yesterday, you know, for them, yesterday when, him, he, feed, when he was feeding everybody, that was really cool. But Jesus is saying, today I'm not going to do this again. I didn't, I didn't come here to start a, a feeding program. I did this to make a point, and the point is this. I am the bread of life. And they look at him, and look at what they ask him. What, what must we do, or, or what, what, what must we do to do the, the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. This is all you got to do, guys. Just believe. I don't want you to do anything else. Don't try to earn your relationship into heaven. Don't, don't be, you know, you don't have to go light candles. If you want to light candles, that's fine, but you don't have to. You don't have to give money. The Lord asks us to tithe, but you don't have to. You don't have to get down on your knees and crawl to Jesus. You don't have to make promises to Jesus, because guess what? When we make promises to Jesus, normally we break those promises, Right? So don't make them in the first place. And Jesus is not really rude about it either. Here is what he, he basically says, here's what I want you to do. Believe in the one he has sent. So what is he saying? He is saying, 
It's a lot of work for you just to believe. Think about that for a second. It is a lot of work for you to just believe in me. Now, the crowd's not too happy about this. They're like, okay, I can do that, but give us something else to do. Tell us more. We want to come up to your level, Lord. We, want to, we, we really want to connect. And he is saying, the best thing to do is keep working on believing. Now, their reaction is much like our reaction would be, right? That's not really work. I mean, believe, I believe. And he goes, really? Go talk to Peter over there. He's still drying off from walking in the water. It's work. It is work to believe in the Lord. In fact, it is the hardest work that you will ever do. We get in the middle of a tough situation. And the last thing we want to do is to believe that the Lord is going to work it out for us. Last thing we do is wait on the Lord. We try everything else. Lord, I am restless. Try and try and try and try. We do everything. And the hardest work for us is just believe. Just believe that I can walk on water. Just believe that I can, I can feed you without the loaves and, and fishes. Jesus, we need to believe in him. The people were hungry for the sort of thing. So they ask in verse 30. So they ask him, what sign then will you give us that we may see it and believe it? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. I mean, is this crowd fickle or what? Yesterday they saw some amazing things. Have you ever been there where you've seen something really amazing? I mean, there's been times in my life where, where personally, my wife and I, we've experienced amazing things from God, and then we've also seen amazing things from God. Yet it's not enough for them. They want more. They want more. This is the kid at Christmas, right? Finishes opening up all the gifts, and they say, what else do you have? Well, you got all these cool gifts. Yeah, but, but I want more. What else do you have? And that's what they're doing for, for Jesus. And this is the interesting thing about miracles, that, that they're good at building faith for a day or two. You would think that after somebody was healed, or a marriage that was on the rocks is healed, or the situation's miraculously solved, that for the rest of their life, you would say, okay, I saw the Lord work, therefore, I can trust and follow the Lord. Now, it's good to have milestones. It's good to remember what the Lord has done. Don't get me wrong, okay? Even I have different milestones in, in my wife and I's life that we can look back on and go, okay, we, we, we can trust the Lord because we've seen him work in our lives, okay? So I'm not saying don't do that. But we need to, you know, miracles are like a good dessert sometimes. They taste great. They're nice and sweet, but it fades away really fast, right? And then we want another piece, or at least that's my life. I'm just, you know. And the crowd wants another piece. And Jesus is saying, just believe in me, guys. Just believe. That is all. And they're like, well, well then, then give us a sign. And Jesus sees right through this. And, and on this day, he's going, I'm not going to give you another sign. And watch how he responds to them. You might find yourself in the story. Put yourself in the story. Verse 32. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's the Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. 
For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go away hungry, and whoever believes in him or in me will never be thirsty. Jesus wants them to experience so much more than just getting some bread and some fish to eat. Now, do you remember in chapter 4 of John, uh, the Samaritan woman and the story about the water? Uh, and we're not going to go back to it, but, but this woman is sitting at the well. It's noon, or, or he's sitting at the well, and the woman's coming to the well at, at noon. And, and the woman wants the water, but he gives the woman more than just regular water. He gives her living water. And he explains the scriptures to her. And the whole town comes out and listens. And the whole town was changed all because Jesus met the woman at the well. The woman, the Samaritan woman totally got it, and she runs back and tells everyone, I have found the Messiah. Well, Jesus says to these guys, I am the bread of life. So he's already talked about him being the living water. Here he's saying, I am the bread of life. Now, bread is a, is a staple of a life, right? He didn't say, I'm the T-bone steak of life. I'm the casserole, the church casserole of life, Right? He didn't say I'm the birthday cake of life. He didn't say I'm the 20th anniversary meal of life. He said, I am the bread of life. Now, this is all before Atkins and Cato was invented, okay? Keto, Cato, however you want to. No one. Wake up, people. Walk with me here, you know? But bread was something you ate at every meal. First century, they didn't use silverware, except for the uppity-ups, okay? They used bread, it's lots of fun. This is like a three-year-old at the mill, right? At the table. They just kind of mush it all together and just grab it and put it. Well, the bread was, you would kind of, they had a lot of soupy stuff, and they, they would kind of dip the bread down and eat it like that. I think everybody today needs to eat their meal for lunch like this, right? Get extra bread out, scoop it all up in the bread, you know, make a mess of it, go back to your childhood, this is what Jesus is saying. I want you to scoop life, my life, right into you. I don't want idols made of me that you're going to bow down in front of and pray. That's the world stuff. I want a relationship with you, one that's consuming. Hebrews calls, calls the Lord an all-consuming fire. I mean, we, we understand fire right here, right? We understand fire in California and how it can consume and take over. And, and when it becomes all-consuming, it's just out of control. That is God in our lives sometimes. Not, not the out-of-control part, but the Holy Spirit just on fire. That is the relationship that God wants. And he also says, I want to bring you water. I want to bring you bread. And you notice what Jesus is saying was this. I am the basic elements of your survival. Yeah, you can survive, you know, without me on this earth. But in the end, where do you go? In the end, you need to survive with me because I'm going to take you to be with my Father in heaven. Daily, I want to meet you. I want to come to you. I want you to come to me, and I want to meet your needs. Yet so many could not believe. goes on in verse 36 and says... But as I told you, you have seen me and still, not, and do, still do not believe. 
all those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never, never drive away. For I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them in him and shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Anyone who comes looking for Christ will find him. Anyone. And the hard thing for us is this. Once we find him, what are we going to do? See, the Holy Spirit draws us to the Lord, but then we have a choice when we get there. And this choice comes into the picture, and and Jesus is, is there for us when we come, but what are we going to do with it now? Jesus is doing what he's supposed to be doing. The question is, are we? We call ourselves Christians, and we start believing. Maybe that happened when you were really young. Maybe that happened when you were older, you know. But one thing I'm convinced of is this. Once we give our lives over to Jesus, we are his forever. We are his forever. But I also know from experience that many times I need to realign myself with Christ, with, uh, with my Father in heaven. At different stages in my life, I must decide, am I going to follow him on this or not? And that's a good question to ask. Am I going to follow his example? Am I going to do the will of my father? Well, who is my father? Our father's in heaven. I'm part of a family now. His spirit lives within me. We call it the Holy Spirit. When we accept Christ, the spirit comes and lives within us, which makes God our father because we are now his adopted son or daughter, which is a really cool thing to do. Now, Am I going to do the will of my Father or not? Some people say, well, what do you mean, Pastor Allen? What is the the Father's will for me? You know, when I accepted Jesus, I didn't get a little nice little daily planner that said, number one, do this. Number two, do this. His will for our lives is to do what? Produce fruit. Well, what is fruit and what is not fruit? Well, Paul talks about this in Galatians. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. So the first will is not to, you know, gratify every desire that you have from your flesh. Verse 17, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you you are not to do whatever you want. That's hard to teach a a six-and-a-half-year-old, right? Every time we have music playing, um, we have one in the back, so I won't say the A word because it'll go off. But uh, uh, but uh, you know, around my house we have one, and he'll he'll. Every time we have music going, he will call out the name and tell her to stop playing. And the other day, I finally said, "No, that's enough, Grayson. You're old enough. Other people can listen to their own music." And he goes, "But it's I want to listen to my music." And I'm like, that's great, but so do other people sometimes. And you have to allow them to do that. 
So you can no longer tell her to stop when somebody else starts music. That's a basic concept, right? We all get that. That's a good thing to teach to young kids. What about adults? Do you get to do what you want to do? Now, we may not flop around on the ground. Not that my kids do this, praise the Lord. But we might, you know, we don't flop around on the ground like some kids, you know, all upset. I I don't get what to do. And they just flop down on the ground and they're rolling around and stuff. But as adults, what do we do? Well, we do all sorts of things. Sometimes we get passive-aggressive. Sometimes we get, you know, downright angry and nasty. Sometimes we just tell people off, and they can just deal with it because that's who God made me, right? (laughs) That's not of God. That's in conflict with God. Verse 18, but if you are led... By the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. People who live like this are not of God. So what is of God? Verse 22 of Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When's the last time you had to control yourself? Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the Spirit with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. This is a wonderful word picture of how we should not live and how we should live. We all agree with the first half, right? Uh, Okay, let me try that again. We all agree with the first half, right? Okay, good. I think it's the second half that we have more problems with. When's the last time when somebody did something or said something to you and you did not react with kindness and instead you acted with anger or reacted? Or when's the last time when you should have had joy, you didn't have joy? Or when's the last time you worried your head off instead of having peace? Because I can tell you one thing. We drive ourselves nuts thinking about stuff, right? Give it over to the Lord. Yeah, it sounds so easy, isn't it? Well, we have to give it over to Him. Give it over to Him. And then give it over to him again, and then give it over to him again. And you keep doing that in life, and then eventually you're going to find yourself going, wow, I did give it over to him, and I'm, I'm okay. No matter how this turns out, I'm going to be okay. Because I have peace, because I know who is in charge. In the end, no matter what happens to me in this life, I know where I get to go, which is heaven, right? So why do we worry so much? It's human nature. It's that internal battle between the nature of self and the nature of God. It's the battle of Galatians 5 that we just read. 
I think one other thing we have a problem with is not provoking one another. I mean, it's one thing to joke around and jest and, you know, especially get a group of guys around each other, going to kind of rag on each other, right? Okay, to a certain extent, that's fine. But when it starts becoming personal, when it's like jabbing them with the knife and then you got to twist it and bring it down and just, you know, you're going after them. That's a whole different thing, okay? But we provoke each other when we should be loving each other. But the Jewish leaders, they didn't get this. They didn't get it, and, you know, Paul was writing to them, you know, and they didn't get it with Jesus back in, in John. In verse 41, it says that the, at this, the Jews then began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? You didn't come down from heaven. You came from Nazareth. They didn't buy it at all. Well, he knew what they were thinking in their heads. And, and 43, it says, Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who has sent me draws them, and I will raise them up on the last day. It is written in the prophets that they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and has learned from him comes to me. Now, what Jesus is establishing here is that he is saying, I'm the only way to understand who God is. And regardless of what you hear in today's age, Jesus clearly establishes himself as the only way to the Father, the only way to heaven. There's a lot of people out there talking about how there's multiple ways to go to heaven. No, the only way to go to heaven is to believe in Jesus, that he is the Son of God, that he died for your sins, and he rose from the grave. That is the narrow is the path, as the scriptures say. A lot of people like to ignore that scripture and just say, oh, there's so many different paths to God. Paths of enlightenment. Well, I'm sorry. That is wrong. Jesus says, I'm the only way. He clearly establishes himself as the only way the Father, and he is saying, I want to feed you more than what the early people got in the wilderness. And, you know, they got bread, they got the daily nourishment when they were coming out of Egypt, and the Lord provided for them, you know. Moses gave them manna every day through, the, you know, through, through God, but, but he says, uh, you, know, you know, or they were saying, well, Moses, and he goes, no, 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 it, Moses got it from the Father. He got it from God. I want to give you much more. They ate manna and they still died. Uh, died but I, what I want to give you is something you can have forever, which is eternal life. Verse 46. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. And only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. Now, Jesus is going to say some very unusual stuff here. And so far, we've been tracking with him. I mean, very clear, you know, he's been very clear, I am the bread of life. However, he, he goes on to say, well, don't, don't murmur here, you know, I am the living bread, 
which came down from heaven. And this is confusing them. In verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. The bread is my flesh, which I give them, uh, or give for the life of this world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And they're totally misunderstanding what he is trying to say here. Jesus says to them in verse 53, very truly I tell you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have, no, uh, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up in the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Jesus as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said, to the, uh, he said this while teaching in a synagogue in Capernaum. And that's the synagogue that we showed you earlier. On hearing this, Many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And goes on in verse 66, from, from this time, many of the disciples turned back and no longer followed him. This is a very sad verse. This crowd never came back. The numbers he had, the loaves and the fishes crowd, they saw the miracle and many of them never came back. Now, why did they leave? Because they couldn't understand him. And this is why so many people have left the church. So many people who, who were brought up in the church, they've seen the miracles, but they've not, they were not taught in a way that they could understand it. They were not taught to study the word of God. They were taught traditions. And the pastor will explain it all to you. Or the priest will forgive you of your sins and all those nuances, and they never really grasp it. So when things got hard or the teaching didn't make sense, they just left. They were like the seeds that were thrown out and, and the weeds started to choke them because they didn't get in good soil. Now, what is Jesus really saying here? Does he mean literally with come over here and grab them by the arm and start chewing on them? No. How ridiculous is that? I mean, right. I mean, that, that's just dumb. But he was saying that we need to consume him. We need to consume him. You will need to take it all in. For, for our God is a consuming, you know, fire, as we talked about earlier. And, and you will need to understand everything about me. Why I came. Why I'm doing what I'm doing right at this moment. What I can do for your marriage what I can do for your family, what I can do for your job, what I can do for your joyfulness, what I can do for your peace, what I can do for everything in your life. But for this to happen, I will need you to consume me. This is why he, you know, he broke the bread with the disciples. He even said, I will be broken for you. And the breaking thing will help you survive. And many of them didn't track with this. And the fascinating thing is he allows them to go. He doesn't go chase down every little, little person, you know. Uh, you know, but, you know, don't, don't misunderstand me. Uh, he's saying, what, 
was it the eat my flesh thing? I can change that. You know, he didn't go down and grab him and say, well, well, was it the worship or was it this or was it that? Well, what didn't you agree with? You know, really, I can change. Let me reword the whole drink my blood thing because that confuses everybody. It's amazing how many people Jesus did not chase down. When Jesus is not, you know, Jesus is just like, let him go. And then he turns in verse 67, he says, you want to leave me too, do you? Wow, I mean, this is kind of tough, right? Guys, you are, you're, you're struggling with this. And you know, half of them were sitting there going, yeah, I don't know. Should I? Should I leave or should I not? And he's like, go ahead and go. No one will notice. Just join up with that group they're leaving right now. Just go. Jesus is inviting them to stop following him. And Peter gives this great answer. And you got to love Peter for this, right? We like to rag on Peter, but he got things really quick. You know those people that have quick minds, right? That just think and they're ready to, you know, Lord, Lord, you know, give me a break. Where, where would we go? Really, come on. Where would we go? <clears throat> now, what's really cool is Peter's house. Okay, here's the synagogue. And it didn't switch, Lisa. There's the synagogue, okay? So I'm standing right here when I took this picture, and then I turned around and took the picture this way, and the next slide, there we go. That's Peter's house, okay? His house is right there next to the synagogue. It's an eight-sided house, and they built this really weird space saucer thing over it, okay? They're protected, you know? But that's, it's right there. He's saying, no, 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 Lord, where would we go? I walked on water with you yesterday, Lord. I mean, what do you mean? Don't ask me if I want to go now. I, I totally don't understand the whole eating the flesh thing and the blood thing, but I'm going to stick around because I want to figure it out. And this is an awesome answer. And <clears throat> Peter is awesome, right? Except when he's a goofball and he's not, you know? 68, uh, verse 68, it says... Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. This is not head belief. This is heart belief. This is not an intellectual, I get it. He's the son of God. This is, this is your, your consumed. This is who you are. You're sitting there going, you are the son of God. I know this. This is get out of the boat, believe. Where else would we go? What would I do? And he just spoils them with truth and grace. And then sometimes he looks at us and goes, are you thinking about leaving me? If you want to leave me, go ahead. And we have a choice. Some people are leaving, but I'm not going to be a part of that crowd. I'm going to stay right here. Can I walk on water again? I mean, that was probably in his mind. He didn't say it in the scripture. Now, another translation says, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. The word here um, for know, K-N-O-W, is epigonosco. It's an experience, experiential knowledge. It's you are experiencing God. He's like, 
You're Christ. You are the Son of God. And Peter is right on track here. He is experiencing God. And we can experience the Lord too when we follow him. When we're willing to get out of the boat. When we're willing to stick around. And Peter is right on track. And so many of you in this room are right on track too. Because life may be crazy. I don't know about you, but life is a little bit crazy, right? Especially, you know, it's funny because we all got relaxed on COVID. And we all, you know, some of us enjoyed it. Those introverts really enjoyed it, staying home, not doing a ton, you know, uh, whether you were following whatever rules they set out or not. You know, you stayed home more. And now life is kind of integrating back in, and we're starting to get busy, right? Have you notice that? And guess what? We're finding out life's a little bit crazy again. That's when we need to figure out where Jesus fits in. That's where Jesus needs to be, right there. And if you can fit Jesus into your crazy life, then you're right on track. We need to stay on track in our lives. And we need to say, Lord, are you crazy? Where else would I go? Where else would I go? That's a good question. One that we all should answer. Let's pray as the worship team comes up. Lord, we, we ask you to help us with our belief and our unbelief. Lord, there are those here that struggle with that because we're human. I understand that, Lord. And I pray that, that you not only show yourself to us, but that we begin to know you. We begin to experience you to the point where we start to have peace and goodness and kindness. And when somebody knocks us over, what comes sloshing out is you and not our reaction that's just like this world. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you. And may his face never turn from you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.